0: Hi, this is Chip. There were some unexpected audio glitches in today's episode. I hope you'll bear with it. Hi, I'm Chip, and this is the 2-Minute Time Lord podcast, episode number 274. A time dilation episode, which means it's going to be just a little bit longer. And it's uh, over a sad occasion. Uh, We found out uh, just a couple of days ago about the loss of uh, Mary Tam, the first uh, Romana in Doctor Who, and someone who had a fairly distinguished career outside of Doctor Who, and to talk about her, uh, I am joined by uh, the one and only Toby Hadoke, who is a comedian, Doctor Who um, commentator, and uh, the uh, creator of not only the uh, wonderful Moths Ate My Doctor Who Scarf, one-man show, but its successor, which he's uh, putting the fin- finishing tweaks on right now. My stepson stole my sonic screwdriver. Toby, how are you today?
1: Uh, well, yes. I, well, it's nice to speak to you, Chip. It hasn't been—it's been a while, hasn't it? But um, yes, I'm—I'm I'm well, and in the midst of work, um, much of which had to be put on hiatus yesterday um, to produce um, uh, Mary's obituary for the Guardian, which I'm sure you know we'll be talking about. Later, so I sort of yes, I'm all right. I'm in a mixture of sort of creativity and, um, uh, you know, this the, the eye of this sort of storm of sadness, which is, um, which, um, as I say, I'm sure we're going to talk about shortly, but that's a very long and rambling. I'm all right.
0: Well, uh, that's and, and and before we start talking directly about Mary Tam, I you know, uh, you've you seem to you seem to have become the Guardian's uh, go-to person for talking about um, for for helping its readers understand more about um, the, the people involved with Doctor Who who've passed away. Um, you've been writing many of these uh, remembrances. Um, how did that How did that happen?
1: Well, uh, it's interesting. I, I remember reading, and I'm not a massive Star Trek fan. But I, I know of its work. And I remember when the great DeForest Kelly passed away. And I always loved Dr. McCoy. And I always was aware that Kelly had had a, you know, pretty strong career prior to Star Trek. And um I read his review in his in his obituary in all the British papers, and it said the actor DeForest Kelly was best known as Dr. McCoy so. And then basically, all the obituaries gave a sort of commentary on the genesis of Star Trek, what Star Trek was, what Gene Roderby had tried to create with it, what part Dr. McCoy took in that, and then a paragraph on DeForest Kelly, you know, being married or passing away or whatever he did or whatever, and I thought, well, there was more to DeForest Kelly than Star Trek, and I would think even Star Trek fans would, would um, you know, would accept that, would, would want, you know, him him to be remembered in context of what he did uh, as well as Star Trek. Just because you love somebody for something, it doesn't mean that's the only thing that's to them. And I think it does them a disservice. And so as so time went on, I sort of kept an eye on this sort of thing. And I am John Nathan Turner's, though, bit in The Guardian. I was, you know, it, it got one and I was quite pleased. And then, and then it just sort of said he brought back The Master and the Cybermen. And you thought, oh, there's so much to talk about there that you could do. And then Bernard Wilkie, um, BBC Facts. Fex- visual effects pioneer died and i sort of knew bernard because um he'd sent me all of his stuff about quatermass and i when i was a kid i was a 16 year old i'd written to pretty much everybody that was still alive from quatermass um because everyone did doctor who so i thought i'd do something else and um and when he died there was nothing in the paper so in a fit of bravery which is most unlike me because i'm a i'm a tentative phone caller at the best of times I rang the Guardian and said, "Are you doing something on Bernard Wilkins?" They said, "Who's he?" I said, "He founded the BBC Visual Effects Department. He did special effects on Quatermass. He was a pioneer. He wrote a book." I went, "Well, will you do one then?" I went, "Oh, all right." So, and from then on, I started. If somebody didn't appear after a week or so, I'd, I'd sort of ring them up and go, um, "Shall I do one?" And they invariably said yes. I was occasionally disappointed when. Example: They didn't do one for John Bennett, which I thought was an extraordinary. Besides, my mum knew who John Bennett was, um, and uh, then they started coming to me. Um, and now, as you say, I sort of I, I get the call, um, which I'm happy to do, uh, and, and I think it's important to try and set it. Set the person. I try and set the person in the context. Of, you, you, you know the, 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 you heighten the doctor who generally because they're maybe it's maybe the thing they're best known for, but I think it's very important to do the stuff outside of doctor who and um and do something that and i you know I like to think I've got a knowledge of actors outside of their doctor who work, and I think it's important to bring that to it. I,
0: I think that's especially important for someone like Mary Tam who was uh part of Doctor Who the television show for only for only one series uh yeah. but had such a rich career outside of it.
1: Well she could legitimately you know claim to 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 have been you know one of those rare things which is a name before she she boarded the TARDIS. You know, the Odessa file was a relatively high profile picture. And she had a starring role in it. She'd had, you know, regular leads in, in television. She'd, and she'd been in the likely lads movie as well. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, her, her profile as a sort of rising starlet type was, I would say bigger than, than that of, uh, of some of her predecessors. Uh, and, um, she did. Yeah, she, she had, a, she had a, uh, a pretty good and solid career outside of Doctor Who that, that, that carried right on. Um, and I think you damn with faint praise if you just talk about Doctor Who. But I think that's maybe why The Guardian liked me, because I think probably when I first started doing them, they thought, well, well this is just a Doctor Who fan, so we'll probably have to tweak this. And um, you do what you try and do in any piece of work is you try and do a good job, you try and do it quickly, and you try and do it so that people you give it to you don't have to do an awful lot to it. Um, because, you know, if it's, if things like this can get rewritten and rejigged by editors, and, and generally they, they pretty much leave my stuff alone, which is which hopefully shows that I've done what they wanted. If you do what people want, want, they come back and ask you to do it again. Right.
0: Um, although it's, it's really depressing that so many are having to happen right now we have reached a point in um, in in the history of the show where um, we're, we're we're losing more and more of that history um, going to going to uh, Mary's uh, connection with Doctor Who um, what kind what kind of character was uh, Romana designed to be? And uh, was she able to was she able to fulfill that in her one year on um, the series?
1: It's interesting, because she talked. I mean, I know that she left because she felt that the character didn't develop an awful lot, and, and I think that's, that was endemic into the format of the show. But um, I think like, they have a nice sparring relationship, I think, the Doctor and Romana number one. And... And he's almost subservient you know, she she gives him quite a few withering put downs, and, um, you know, she gets a better mark in her exams than him and, uh, uh, and isn't overly impressed by the doctor. And I quite like that. I, I you know, I, I don't like an all wise, all seeing doctor anyway. I quite like the fact that the doctor's this genius, but who's useless at something, you know, not very good at exams. I quite like that because right. otherwise he's unreachable. I think he needs those flaws. And so she was able to sort of bring him down a peg or two without undermining what's great about the character, because actually what's great about the character is that he is a bit of a chapel. Um And so that dynamic was interesting. And, uh, you know, I have to say, it's amazing with the amount of these things that I'm writing. Uh, you know, I did Elizabeth Sladen's and say, well, the producers were trying to do something different with their companion. Sarah Jane, she was a feminist, you know, investigative journalist, etc. And then you at Caroline Jones and, uh, oh, the producer's trying to do something different with this camera. this character, she was a scientist. And then with this one, you go, the producer's trying to do something different with this character. She was the Doctor's equal at the time lady. So it's a testament, actually, to the producers of Doctor Who over the years. is that There's that cliche of the screaming Doctor Who companion girl. But actually, most of them have been a conscious decision. Or a lot of them have been a conscious decision. To break away from that and, and, and have a slightly feisty and more proactive um, character who defies what ultimately is defeated by the format, which is that you need somebody to ask for trouble. Right. Uh, but but you know it shows that producers were very conscious of this, and it wasn't just oh let's get a let's get a screaming girl.
0: Although um, although she, although the character begins as uh, one that's intended to be. Less a subordinate and more a partner. Um, yep. Mary said tw- that towards the end that it did the format did in fact defeat the role. But what was she able to do with it uh, during that uh, Key to Time series?
1: Well, I think because she was very self possessed. It's interesting because she was young, you know, she was a young actress at the time and you really self possessed. Twenty six, twenty seven year old. Um, no, she's a bit older than that. Too. Um, is that I, th- I think, for example, Android Utara, which is one of my very favourite stories. I think it's adorable. Um, is that she goes off and has a subplot where, you know, she's held in a dungeon by um, Peter Jeffrey, with whom she, um, uh, you know, who, who 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 sort of sweeps her off her feet. Um, but she holds her own, and she she can go off and have her own adventure. And she's also because she's got that aristocratic air to her. She can fit into those, 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 those uh, season sixteen stories like Rybos and like Night and like, um, Androids of Tara that have a have a certain regal air to them, if you like. Um, and then with Stones of Blood, you know that's a very female centric story, um, which uh, has this sort of this triumvirate of very strong women. Uh, Romana and Vivian Fay, and Beatrix Lamy's character Amelia Rumford um, and and I think Cosmary was classy I mean it's interesting, I didn't realise till later that she was actually a very down to earth funny, rather naughty <laughs> woman with a very arched you know with an arched eyebrow and a, and a cheeky look because in Doctor Who she is so composed and she is so um, well healed and she is she is uh, uh, so glamorous you know that you think that she's this aristocrat although she was born in Bradford and her dad worked in a woolen mill so the sign of what a good actress she was is that uh, you know what you didn't realize until many years later that the person playing as Ravana was actually much more down-to-earth whereas Romana is, is pretty cool and, uh, uh, and, uh, and slightly superior at times and so she carries all of that off very well indeed um, and the banter with Baker is good; they have a their working relationship is clearly uh, echoed on the screen where they, they they don't mind winding each other up but it's obviously steeped in effect and that always helps the viewer get through you know adventures
0: the uh The outpouring that i I've seen from fans has been um has been has been strong um similar to that of, uh, Caroline John, um, I've seen a lot of people, including our mutual friend, uh, Steven from Radio Free Scarrow, uh, say things like, um, the first role model was my Sarah Jane. Um, what, 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 what about her connected with, uh, uh fans? What was it, what, what, what was it that was special about her?
1: Well, you see, it's I came to the first Romana quite late because the first companion I really remember is Romana two. Although um, no, I do remember bits of Leela, but for some reason, and I remember for some for some reason I, I came. The key to time. I have scant some memories of as a kid, but it was then when it came to rediscovering them later on. It was one of the last series I got or got for some reason I don't know. I think it's because I sort of half remembered them and there were some stories I'd never seen so I went for those first didn't I? So I came quite late in the day to Romana one uh, and and I think what opened her up to me beyond what she did in the show that we talked about and why I think the fact I think it's because the contrast between her and the character that she played And again, Mary, Mary was very, because she wasn't ubiquitous on the interview scene or the convention scene. And then when her, the big eye opener for me was those DVD commentaries that she did with Tom Baker, where, again, I was expecting somebody quite well-to-do and proper, um, who's an actress who'd done lots of other things, sort of go, yes, well, I did this, Doctor Who, but I don't really, you know, it's just a thing I did. Having a right old laugh. And um, I was watching some convention footage of her yesterday and she's a hoot. She's very funny and very down to earth. And I think the fact that I think fans appreciate it when people aren't standoffish and grandstanding because it puts you at your ease. Uh, and she seems, she seems so much fun that I think you just forget about, oh, it's somebody from Doctor Who. And oh, God, am I going to make a fool of myself when I ask for their autograph? And, and I think we appreciate that as fans. I certainly do. Of 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 feeling of feeling relaxed in the presence of these people who, because of their relationship with Doctor Who, means just slightly in awe of them. And um, well, I just think she seems such good fun, and um, and that's that's very special. And in terms of the, the character, obviously Romana, you know, the only time Gallifrey and time lady assistant is. Uh, is, uh, and for a big generation, at a time when the show was very popular, you know, this is when people went and talked in schools about Doctor Who, and you know, certainly when I was growing up, where everybody knew Doctor Who. Uh, you know, this was a heady time for the show, um, where it was everywhere, and it was just part of the furniture.
0: Right. Um, and uh, it's a little... It's, it, it, it's a little poignant um, that... Uh, four months ago, she finished her work on um, a series of Fourth Doctor adventures for Big Finish with Tom Baker that is scheduled to be released next year. So uh, this is going to be um, this is going to be an an interesting way for fans to say goodbye to Mary Tam um, a a year later.
1: Yeah, I'm in them. Um, They're very good. Um, And uh, who'd have thought um, but that that with you know, because funny enough, I you know, you don't you, you just don't think that something like that is going to be somebody's swan song, you know, she's just somebody that you always assumed would be about. If I missed her at a convention or something, I think, oh, it doesn't matter, I'll see her again, you know. So when I got the message through, um, but you know, that's the beautiful thing of, of Big Finish because you know, both Caroline John and Mary have got work that's there that's existent is yet to come um, and you know it's, it's, it's very nice that they were prepared to do them uh, and that you know it's increased their legacy and it means that although we said goodbye to them there's there's there are hellos to come in the future of, of good stuff um, and stuff that they enjoy doing you know it shows that these people like dogs a big finish doesn't pay very much um, it doesn't give you any exposure in the industry that you earn a living in massively in terms of if you're a you know if you're a former doctor who companion it doesn't it's it's not gonna you know you're doing something you've done before so it's not another notch on your cv or anything like that much as the scripts are very good quality and they're very nice good fun to do and the lunches are terrific and all that sort of thing i'm just talking now being a bit more pragmatic about the whole thing do them because they really like doing them and they have an affection for doctor who and and it's nice to know that these people that you know we do feel very sad about when they die um it's not just sort of bogus or it's because it's somebody off the telly, showbiz, um, you know, not uh, this you know, sort of hysterical um, national grief that sometimes comes when somebody from showbiz dies that people didn't really know. It's a bit different with that with Doctor Who because we, most of us do or have met them or have got some connection with them. Or even if we haven't, we know that they love the thing that we love because they, they, they still do it and they keep that tie um and that's nice especially somebody again like mary who had you know who was never short of work it's not like she you know was was desperately propping up her pension or or, to be or whatever because because doctor was all she had this was a an actress who was was working all the time um in good stuff playing good parts, but she still came back to doctor who and um i'm looking forward to those coming out although it's going to be very very strange. We, we we live in odd times, Chip. We I mean we've got the Ambassadors of Death commentary coming out in a couple of months' time and three people on that uh three people three three of the commentators aren't aren't with us anymore. I was just thinking the other day, the Time Monster commentary. On episode one of the Time Monster, I am the only person that's still alive on that commentary. <clears throat> so, you know, part of me is like, well, it's it's good in a way that all this stuff has happened at this time that we've got this stuff before these people have passed away, but we're having to get rather too used to, to, to losing people and I think it
0: it's the it it's, it, it's the downside to having a show with such a long history for 50, with fifty years of, of legacy is that we have to we have to we have to make our peace uh, with uh, the fact that unlike the doctor um, our actors are not timeless.
1: I know, but sixty-two
0: is no age. No, no, it's not. Um, uh, and just like just like Caroline John, we've lost we, we've we've lost a second a second actress who was a part of Doctor Who, who, who was in some ways ahead of her time. Um, yeah. But I'm very I'm, I'm very glad that um, we still have her episodes. We she that she had a strong legacy of. Um, performance well outside of Doctor Who and that uh, in a sense we will will hear from her again um, next year in the fourth Doctor Adventures. Uh, Toby, thank you so much Um, Toby's work is, you can find out more about Toby and his work at tobyhaydoak.com and I am so looking forward to seeing you in Chicago um, and seeing uh, your
1: second show. Yeah, I look forward to catching up there. and uh, I'm always made to feel very welcome in America what a lovely place and what lovely people so um, I, I look forward to that
0: uh, Toby Haydoke uh, sharing memories of Mary Tam on the 2 Minute Time Lord podcast and thank you again sir thank you sir. 2 Minute Time Lord podcast number 274 was recorded on the 27th of July you can leave a comment at com or via Twitter at numeral2minutetimelord or facebook.com slash numeral2minutetimelord. More episodes, as always, are available at 2 or on iTunes. Thanks for joining me.